the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Good Friday good? And then, why does the resurrection matter? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Friday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on not just any Friday, Aubrey. This is Good Friday. This feels like, I know you got Monday, Thursday, you got Palm Sunday, but it feels like when Good Friday comes, like Easter weekend is here. It is among us. It has begun. It is upon us. So we're going to talk about... Just the importance of Good Friday, the importance of Easter. But before we do that, let's start with some more shallow things. Have you gotten your kids' pants yet? Are Will the Samson boys have buttons on the khaki pants this Sunday? You'll be very glad to know the khaki pants are ready. Nice. Uh, I have not ironed them yet. That will probably happen tomorrow, but there will be some ironing of the pants We've got a couple button-up shirts ready to go, and I didn't have to buy anything. We actually have things in the closet, so that was pretty exciting. I will confess, my youngest son's pants are like a teeny bit too short, like probably should not be wearing them this year, but we're just going to do it anyway. There's been a lot of rain in the forecast, so the flooding will all be good to go. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I feel like short pants are kind of in, too, so it's fine. I'm assuming Kevin's preaching, so does Kevin... Yes. Uh, and you, do you guys dress up more on Easter? Because you and I are both pretty low right. non-denominational yes. churches, lots of jeans, lots of. But what do you do on Easter? Yeah, we both like step it up a notch, but I would say it's probably not an, as dressy as other churches are. Oh, for still. sure. Like for sure. I just this is just my personality. I don't wear dresses. I don't enjoy dresses. So even on Easter Sunday, I'm not going to wear a dress. I'll probably honestly even wear jeans, but it'll be like a new nice pair of jeans with a nicer no Easter shirt bonnet and, for you. Oh, I do love an Easter bonnet, but no Easter bonnet for me. And Kevin will probably wear a tie, but it'll probably still be a tie with jeans. You know, like we're still a little, I don't know. Sometimes I feel bad, like we should step up our game a little, but we are who we are. What about you? I, what do you guys do? I, I always debate wearing the tie. I never wear a tie, but I think I might this Easter just for fun, just to throw people. Like it yeah. literally throws people off when I wear a tie, but. That's how uh, it is. It's so bad with Kevin that like he, the days he dresses up, it's almost awkward because people are like whoa pastor you know and then he kind of gets embarrassed it's gotten to the place to the level in my family where during the week not on sunday but during the week if i wear anything with buttons on like a button down shirt instead of like just a sweatshirt my kids are always like whoa what do you have today (laughs) like (laughs) it literally is just a button down shirt i know what's going on with you Now, what about the rest of your family? Will your wife get them all Easter gear? Like, yeah, what? yeah. Jackson, Jackson, I think will be a lot like your boys, right? Like, yeah, uh, we're gonna find some some khaki pants in the closet, and it, they'll look nicer. Uh, but yeah, no Easter bonnets. You're from the South. Did you go Easter bonnet growing up? Oh, I mean, I you know you miss this because you're out of town. But Catherine and I talked about this. My yes. 
And like the shoes and the tights, like my dad is so funny. He like one of my dad, my sister and I still make fun of him for this. But one of my dad's like big sayings growing up was like, nothing more beautiful than a woman in a hat. And by a hat, he meant an Easter bonnet. <laughs> and so he just loved like my mom to wear hats and me to wear hats, my sister to wear hats. Now, I hate them. And so like my parents would get them for me and we have the like forced picture in front of the house where we're all wearing our hats. But then I was immediately done with mine. My sister was a little more into girly fashion, so she probably wore hers longer. True. But oh, yeah, the whole thing, the whole the whole thing, uncomfortable shoes, a slip. Young ladies wear slips in the South. I mean, the whole <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, uh, that's really funny. That's yeah. really funny. OK, but before we get to the celebration of Easter Sunday, today is Good Friday. Uh, have your kids ever asked, has anyone ever asked you this question? Wait a minute. We're celebrating or we're remembering <laughs> the death of Jesus, the brutal crucifixion. Like, right. A lot of our services are darker tonight. They are yes. more solemn. Yes. So why do we call it Good, good. Friday? Ask it another way. What's so good about Good Friday? I How mean, it is, a, it is a strange name. I, you know, I, I had a friend was telling me that her son the other day was like, but we don't ever call death good. Death is not good. Why in the world would we call it good? And I do think it's a fair. I mean, I know where we're going with it. I think it's a fair question why it's called Good Friday, though. Like it would be. I mean. The lament part of me is like, let's call it lamentable Friday. Let's call it <laughs> let's call it something else. But obviously, I mean, for those of us in Jesus, we call it Good Friday because we know that his death is what made the way for us to have a relationship with God. And his <laughs> death is what made a way for evil to begin to be conquered and death to end forever. Like his death is what caused so much goodness of course, we see the fulfillment of that in the resurrection, and then we'll see the ultimate fulfillment when he returns. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's good, even though it is a dark, dark, dark day, certainly. Yeah. The So linguistically, Good Friday more so came from the aspect of, if you look way back, it came from like Holy Friday. Like mm, holy, That makes good, sense. Holy. That makes but sense. But to your point, it has stuck through the years. That we're, if it wasn't meant in English to be known as Good Friday, we would have changed it to Holy Friday, right? This or that. Yeah, yeah. I like and that. And I think what people, I, I think this is the paradox of our faith. This is the dichotomy of what we are as Christians. That our hope is placed on the brutal death, uh, Jesus laying his life down as the ultimate Passover sacrifice, right? As yeah. the ultimate yeah. uh sacrificial lamb that he didn't ride in Palm Sunday as a conquering king. He came as one to lay down his life. And yeah, just as that was confusing to, um, to his first followers, it's still confusing today. It's so hard to like wrestle with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what becomes important today is to explain here's ultimately how the death of Jesus has brought redemption, right? Mm. Like, um, you know, there's lots of theological terms for it, but ultimately you see the Old Testament sacrificial system finds its ultimate realization in Jesus laying down. He's the ultimate blood sacrifice. Yeah, and, right. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about, right? Have you ever had anybody be like, you guys talk a lot about blood and death. <laughs> a lot of blood and death. How do you answer that for people who are like, I we just talk about like, 
I know. Grace and forgiveness? I know. I mean, it, it it is so strange. And even when you, you try to explain, well, there's the Old Testament sacrificial system that people understood and God set that up as a way for people to have a relationship with him. But it became burdensome. And then ultimately, like Jesus did it once and for all, it's still sort of like, but why the sacrificial system? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's still like... But couldn't couldn't God have sort of like scapegoated that all together and just come in a different way? And so I, I it is it's a bizarre thing to think about until you this is where I appreciate those who I mean, I love thinking about atonement as part of our salvation and that it is, of course, like Jesus's death paying the penalty for our sins. What I like is a, a larger view, too, that the death and the blood of Jesus ended the power of death and evil. And I think that I can it makes sense to me that like a death and a resurrection is the only thing that could overcome the power of death. And so even though it's still sort of mystical and bizarre, mm-hmm. I can begin to wrap my mind around it and explain it that way. And, um, and yet you go, yeah, like, aren't there some other things that God could have, could have done, except it's also fascinating to me that of all of the, all of the times in history, all of the cultures, all of the, I mean, there's so many ways God could have entered. And yet God chose this, you know, Palestinian situation to step into to bring salvation. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So we hope that you uh, take time today to recognize what makes good Friday. Good. Uh, I'm sure your church has a service tonight, probably within the hour or two from now, two or three hours, go get to it and uh, allow again to hear the story of uh, what Jesus has done for you. Well, coming up next, want to talk about a, the timeline of good Friday, but Aubrey, let's talk about, that one of the weirder aspects, but one of the most important aspects of the crucifixion story. I'm going to share that with you next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, I found this over at the Gospel Coalition. I just want to run through a quick timeline as best we can of what happened on that first Friday, right? I like this. this. uh, Who put this together? Russ Ramsey put this together. Such as, you know... Finding basically, he's going through scripture and going and trying to put times to these. He said, Ooh, You can okay, put cool. these events in your calendar or set them as reminders. The times are a bit approximate, okay? Sure, sure. So, Jesus' trial before uh, Caiaphas, he says, would have happened between 4 and 6 a.m. What? Yes, which kind of makes sense because you got the stuff going on Thursday night. I, you know, they didn't go to sleep, and so okay. things are moving. Uh, wow. The trial before Pontius Pilate and Herod would have happened between 6 and 8 a.m. I don't know why I never expected these things to be happening this early in the morning, but okay, all right, that Isn't makes sense. is this crazy? Because yeah. then Jesus carries his cross. He mm. said that would have been around 8 to 8.30 a.m., huh. and Jesus would have been crucified at 9 a.m. How do we know that? Because Mark 15, 25 says it was the third hour. Oh, that's right, it does. Jewish people, the first hour of the day was 6 a.m., so mm. the third hour. Soldiers begin dividing his clothes. Then but anywhere between 9.30 and 11, the soldiers start to mock Jesus. Hmm. At 11 a.m. to noon, Jesus speaks from the cross to the thieves on either side. 
And then at noon, a three-hour darkness descends upon the land. How do we know that? Well, when the sixth hour had come, there was a darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Mm. That being three o'clock, the earthquakes, the temple curtain is torn, Jesus thirsts. And then finally at 3 p.m., the best guess would have been that is when Jesus dies. Wow. There's something about the morning nature of it, right? Like, wow. But it does make sense because if darkness is going to descend, it's got to be a time. It's got to be during the day. Yeah. Or else you wouldn't really notice. So I find all of that helpful. But I I teased this earlier. I want to talk about one of the more important aspects of the crucifixion story, but one of the weirder aspects that kind of there's a couple weird ones that pop up. Uh, But it was mentioned in that article, the idea of the curtain tearing from the top to the bottom, right? The book of Hebrews kind Mm -hmm. of gloms on to this. But let me put you on the spot. Why is that so important? Why is the curtain tearing seem like a random throw in, but is essential to the crucifixion story and our understanding of it? Also, side note, I always think it's fascinating that that the curtain was torn at Jesus's death and not at the resurrection. That always, Mm. I I have questions about that, but you know, the idea is that in the sacrificial system, there was a curtain that divided the Holy of Holies from like the people and from some of the other elements that led you to the Holy of Holies or, and so the, um, what we, the way we sort of understand that symbolically and metaphorically is that God was saying, now there's no separation between us and God because of Jesus's death. So those who are in Jesus can, as Hebrews talks about boldly and freely come before the throne of God without having to do all of these ritualistic sacrificial elements to make ourselves clean first. So now there's not a, where there was a veil, where there was a separation, there now is no longer. And it is a powerful aspect of our faith that I think it's very easy to take for granted that we can just talk to God whenever we feel like it. We can just be Mm -hmm. in God's presence whenever we feel like it, that because Jesus making us clean, we are clean Indeed, and therefore don't have to go through ritualistic cleanings to get ourselves right before God. And I mean, I think the other thing to remember, like back in the sacrificial system, is that the Levitical priests, like they had ropes tied around them with bells because sometimes they would die. Like they weren't they weren't ready enough to go into God's presence. So they entered that most holy place behind the veil and they would drop dead because they were in God's presence inappropriately. And so the bells would ring and people would have to pull them out. Wild. I mean, like that's wild. So now thinking about in light of Jesus's death, like none of that is our story. Like there's Mm. no gate between us and God. There's no veil between us and God. There's no separation between us and God those who are in Christ, like you enter his presence without needing that rope and that bell or fearing death uh, because of the freedom that Jesus has bought for us. So I probably mixed up some terms there, but essentially that's the, that's the reason. It's always such a weird story about the bells and the rope and like, well, how do we get that guy out of there? We can't go in there. It speaks to the Holy. Right. We can't go in there. So we got to pull him out. Yep. Yep. Uh, The curtain being torn. There's a couple other important aspects of it. One is, it's torn from the top to the bottom. Mm. Like this was, I always see that as the picture of God going, like tearing mm. it himself, right? Yeah, that's and cool. That literally Jesus has now made the way for there to be access and there yeah. to be access. 
And then the book of Hebrews says, I love how the book of Hebrews says it, right? It says, so therefore enter into God's throne room. Like, it's kind of like if you had told the Israelites back in the day, hey, anybody can go in there and talk to God. They would have been like, no, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, because of Jesus, because of the death in, uh, of Jesus and him serving as that ultimate sacrifice, mm-hmm. a, a way has been made for all to have access. And what becomes weird then is like, how often do we ignore that access? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Jesus. Oh, go ahead. No, the book of Hebrews talks about it, like access like a kid to a father, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's not like that high priest who went in with the bells and the rope. It's like yeah, yeah. I have access to my heavenly father, like, yeah. like my kids have access to mm-hmm. me. But yet so many of us just take that for granted. Like that's, yeah. oh, that's what happened. That curtain being torn is such a huge theological shift right there. I, I think I've taught before that Jesus became the curtain himself, right? So now there's like no need for a curtain anymore. So then we can just like, yeah, just walk right in. And that's such a wild, but I don't, I don't know why I get stuck on this, but I, I would have assumed it was at the resurrection, but yeah, his, it's interesting. But his death was enough. Like his death was enough so that we could therefore enter into God's presence without any fear. Yeah. Cause I think that that's when the sacrifice, you know, the sacrificial system, we've, that's when the sacrifice took place. And so I, I wanted to bring that up for people. And there's other weird aspects like, wait a minute, he died and then an earthquake happened. Hold right. On. He died and then it got dark. I mean, you yeah. know, there, it, yeah, it's so it, the passage of like that kind of at least implies dead people coming out of graves. <laughs> well, so that's actually I want to talk about that later in today's show. Like what in the world happened there? What is that stuff all about? Even and then we well, we'll talk about this later in the show, but Jesus going to hell, Jesus descending yeah. into hell. Like what happened during that time period? Lots, lots to unpack at There's Jesus's death, but so, so incredible to think about. And having this timeline, I think puts a little reality to it. Like sometimes yeah. it's easy to read these stories and kind of think about them vaguely in a sense, but to go, okay, this happened around this time and this time and like think yeah. through the timeline of the day sort of anchors the story in real life a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have access through the blood of Christ to the throne room of God and, and take advantage of it. As the book of Hebrews says, mm. run into his throne room. Well, coming up next, I want to shift from good Friday to Easter. Uh, Aubrey, how do you celebrate Easter? I, I've, I have an observation that I've made about Easter celebrations that I want to ask you if, if I'm right. And I want to talk to you about it. We're going to do that next year on the common good AM 1160 hope for your life. Okay, Aubrey, we've talked a lot about Good Friday. If people missed it, uh, they can go back. And in a little while, I want to talk like we want to get down the brass tacks. I want to talk about why the resurrection mm. matters. Like Before we talked about why does the death of Jesus matter? Good Friday. Now I want to talk about why the resurrection matters. But let me take a, I want to start somewhere different. And you tell me if I'm right or wrong about this. Okay, let's hear. Does it feel to you, did you grow up this way when you look at us culturally or even in the church? It feels like Easter should be a bigger deal than Christmas, but it's not. <laughs> and like Christmas, like we don't celebrate Easter. Here, I'll just put it bluntly. Does it feel like we celebrate Easter less than we celebrate Christmas? Uh, it and does. Why, it, why yeah. is that? 
Yeah, it definitely does. And that we might be only speaking to the low church, non-denominational folks right now. Like my guess is like our Anglican friends and our Catholic friends, like they got Easter right. Like they're doing they're doing Easter right because they're starting at Lent and they're you know, they're they have their Good Good Friday vigil services that are so beautiful. Like but speaking for myself and culturally, yes, it's like Christmas is a season and Easter is a day. And I do think we get excited on Easter and we go to church and we have mm. Easter egg hunts and we gather with family and we have a meal. But I feel like Christmas starts, at least at my house, Christmas starts like November 1st. And we're like celebrating all the way through January 1st. You know what I mean? And I think that's a mix. That's probably our syncretism. Like we've mixed cultural Christmas and Santa Claus with Christmas. So we get excited and it feels magical. And mm-hmm. we kind of have this weird, I mean, you know, we're probably all deists or not deists, polytheists at the end of the day with like Santa and Jesus around Christmas time to our <laughs> shame. But Easter, I feel like we get real excited, but it is sort of like over and done. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Christmas. I think it's feels- a fair assessment. And you do make a good point about high church, low church, but even I'm talking even more culturally speaking. Oh, like, for sure. Uh, like what is like, why is it? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's simply what you just touched on. Santa's better than the Easter bunny. I think Santa's better than the Easter bunny. And like our capitalist society that I love at Christmas time, don't get me wrong. As we've has, yep. yes, has, uh, they've just done better at marketing Christmas than Easter, right? Like you're yeah. not shopping all year long for your Easter baskets and getting those good sales for the Easter baskets. And like, I think the most the stores can do on Easter is like some cute bunny decorations, Easter baskets for little kids, and maybe some Easter outfits like we've talked about. Yep. But yep. I yep. don't, I would be hard pressed to think we're ever living in a day when everyone's like, let's gather around the Easter tree and open Easter presents. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't Easter carols. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. 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 It it always is. It might also just be that Christmas is in the middle of winter and we need something as a culture, as a whole culture. (laughs) Perhaps that's accurate. We're we're still feeling at Easter. We're still feeling like the pinch on our credit cards from what we spent on Christmas. (laughs) Just buying khaki pants for your boys. Uh, (laughs) There's all all right. I got one more reason for you. Okay. Okay. Go to much deeper conversation here. There might be also an aspect that Christmas is a day uh, that's the same day every year. Oh, I interesting. Christmas I hadn't thought about December that. December 25th. Every year All the I, have time. To Google, I have to Google when is Easter. Somebody mm. someday Google this, people. How do how is Easter Sunday like basically chosen or determined for a year? It has to do with the moon and this. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so crazy. Uh, you always know it could be the end of March. It could be the end of April. Like there's right. a window in there. So, okay. right. Interesting. I am surprised how much you love your Christmas tree that you don't also have an Easter tree of some sort. That yeah, I know. I know. You're you're convicting everything. me. I sorry. Sorry, God. I need an Easter tree. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you this question. I, okay. I want to spend, and maybe we'll we'll save this for a little later. Why the resurrection matters. But Ooh. here, let's ask a more apologetic question. Uh, does it matter? Here, two-part question. Does it matter if the resurrection actually happened? And why do you believe, assuming that you do, (laughs) why do you believe that the resurrection, Jesus actually rose from the dead? Mm. Wow. Okay. I'll, I'll start with the second one. Sure. Why do I believe Jesus rose from the dead? Um, partly because, um, I just, I, I'm always hard pressed to think, and, and I know that there are some instances of this in like 
cults. But I am hard pressed to believe that like a group of people are willingly dying, being beheaded, losing their lives for this thing that is a lie, right? Like if it's a, if it's a mass conspiracy of some people have said, it's just so hard for me to believe that those who were actually walking with Jesus and there's historical evidence that the disciples did walk with Jesus, that if he wasn't raised from the dead, that they're going to like continue the, the scheme to mm-hmm. the point of their own death. Does that make yes. sense? Like I totally, I just think you die for what you really believe in. And then there's also enough. I mean, by the time we get the gospels, like the gospel writers were still interviewing eyewitness people. Yes. Now they were certainly older, but they were, they were having conversations. Luke, especially is having conversations with people who actually like walked with Jesus bore witness to his death and his empty tomb said that they saw him after he appeared. And so I, I'm going to take some of that just like I would in any other story of history as enough evidence that I believe it. I also, I mean, I also think we see evidence of resurrection in our creation, right? Like Mm -hmm. we see the sunrise and the sunset. We see cycles in our seasons. We see flowers die and bloom again. Like it's also like DNA of resurrection is planted in this world that's pointing to the fact that this thing is real Mm. um so that's part of like why i mean beyond the fact that i just think it it's the story i want to give my life to because i think it's the best story there is um i do think there's actually evidence and reasons for the faith that we have and again i'll come back to it is faith like i'll know when i die when i see jesus face to face okay this was real you know yeah um go ahead I, I think you hit on the biggest one for me. Like if you were doing like a, a court case, right? This is very least Strobel, right? If you're doing yeah. a court case. Um, what's the old saying? Uh, who long ago said, I believe people, uh, I believe the people who got their heads cut off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> right. the, disciples, right. the disciples absolutely would have known if he rose from the dead or not. Yeah, uh, they absolutely would have known. And right. Every one of them dies a brutal death, except for John. And then if you read about John, his life wasn't any easier. He just didn't right. happen to die. Right. They all went to these horrific deaths mm-hmm. without going, OK, 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 you got us. You got you us. Got you us. figured it out. Right. It absolutely matters. And the Apostle Paul says, uh, apart from the resurrection, if the resurrection isn't yeah. true, then we are to be pitied. Right. We're we fools if fools. it's not. Yeah. Because it's everything that our faith is built on. But absolutely. here's the beauty of it. I think it's de- completely defensible. In fact, I think it takes greater faith to say it didn't happen than it did. Oh, interesting. Uh, but it, you're right. At some level, it does take faith on us. Yeah. But I think you can look back through time and go, how is this endured? Who spoke of it? Who yeah. said that they saw him and that yeah. it never fell apart? Yeah. As, you know, Peter's hanging upside down from a cross or as right. uh, well, who is it? James, who gets thrown off the temple. And you're like, but there's okay. also just even like the enduring power of the church. There's also like even Stephen's death, who wasn't one of the original disciples. Right. But this guy knew the gospel story, preached it before power and then was killed. And I just don't think like sane people do that unless they are so convinced of what they're preaching and living for. And some of that stuff you just can't are you can't argue with it. You can't argue with the 
even the test of time, the fact that here we are still today proclaiming the name of Jesus. Yep. So Merry Easter. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Easter. Uh, We're excited to celebrate the actual resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to continue to celebrate Easter next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Okay, Brian, we've talked quite a bit about Good Friday. We've talked about Sunday, Easter Sunday. But there is a day in between those days. It is Holy Saturday. And I think sometimes we think about Holy Saturday as a day of just sort of silence. Mm -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. was, quote unquote, dead. We're waiting for Easter. But what we don't take into account is what might have actually happened on that Holy Saturday. And what scriptures talk about is that Jesus actually descended into hell. Mm. And I don't know how to wrap my mind around that, Brian. There's a lot of... um, Catholic thought around something called the harrowing of hell, which is this idea that Jesus actually went down to hell and brought salvation to souls captive in hell, which I think is part of why we read in the New Testament about souls coming out of the grave. I don't know. Like, there's definitely some (laughs) things to think about there. But have you thought much about Holy Saturday and what in the world Jesus was doing? So I've thought less about what what, what actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Not trying to skirt the issue, but... Yeah. I've thought... Here's I'll be honest with you as a as a child growing up as a kid, I gave no thought to Saturday. Probably. Right. But then I remember talking to or hearing a message about it or something and going. And this is where my thought process goes for Holy Saturday is. If you were one of his followers. Uh huh. That must have been the most deflating. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, heartbreaking days ever because Jesus has died. Yeah. And now, you know, they're coming after you, but also like you're one of the disciples you're going. Like, think about the, the letdown, the despair, the, was this all true mm. or the, cause of course, Jesus along the way has been saying, I need to lay down my life. But they, right, we right, see they right. didn't get it. Right. Right. And so we often just fast forward to the resurrection, but you've got that window where the disciples, where his followers, where the women going to the tomb, all of this stuff have to be saying to themselves, like, did we just screw our lives up? Well, I, and I also think like even another layer to that is like their friend died and oh, he died point. horrifically. Yes. Like they watched him be like brutally, shamefully murdered in front of them. Like, I think part of it, it has to just be a day of like deep sadness, like their their friend who they have walked with and who has loved them and taught them and led them died, you know, and they don't know yet that Sunday is coming. Like they don't Mm. know yet that this, I'm sure there's hope and maybe whispers like it can't, he can't be gone. He can't be gone. He can't be gone. And yet the reality is like their friend died. Like I feel like Saturday must have been such a, a day of, like you said, questioning and also just a day of deep sadness and gathering and wailing and crying and like, Oh man, Yeah, the grief must have been enormous. And why I think it's important, Aubrey, is so all the stuff you talked about earlier about Jesus descending, and I don't have a great explanation for it. But what it can point us to is there was a lot more going on than just death and like Jesus. Like this is a a cosmic event. This is bigger than just human. Like there's stuff going on here. Yeah. But when we think about it on the human end of that Saturday, 
why this becomes important and why I think we need to talk about it more is there's a lot of people, ourselves mm. included possibly, who are sitting in the already not yet. Like that is mm. the picture of the already not yet. Yeah, it is. We're sitting in this already not yet going, I don't know. All I hear about is victory on Easter. Yeah. All I hear about this, but my life is crumbling. Yeah. I'm, I'm feel alone. I'm thinking yeah. to myself, where is God? Like how do, how would his friends not have thought to themselves, where is God? Right. Like, Absolutely. So they're sitting there going, where's God? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's aspects of Saturday that are so applicable to what people are going through right now mm-hmm. in the already not yet. In oh this yeah. Stage of life. Yeah, it's it's like this. It's like the whole weekend is kind of a metaphor for the Christian faith, right? It's yeah, like in yeah. the there are seasons of darkness and suffering and God's silence and in between this and like um, dark nights of the soul, as poets have called it, where you're like, okay, God, what are you doing? Like, why is why are things so hard and so devastating right now? Why is this? Why do I not feel like? anything good is happening or just bad story after bad story after bad story. I mean, you know, we talked earlier, but this week a lot, you think about the school shooting with those families in Nashville are thinking and Holy Saturday is so representative of that. And I, I even, you know, scripture does, you know, in Ephesians, Paul talks about what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended. So there is some thought about even Jesus himself suffering in his own death and not just on the cross, but also the aftermath of that. And I, you know, I can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like for Jesus, but just, yeah, I think you're right. That Holy Saturday, I think speaks to a lot of our circumstances, but you know, and not to be cheesy, but this is the great hope of Easter is the Sunday's coming. And so I do think that's that already not yet. Like though we're in Saturday now, there is an ultimate Easter coming, right? Like yeah. Yeah. there is Easter. There's a reality of Easter now. There's the reality of the resurrection now, but there is a day when like new creations coming and we're never going to have a holy Saturday, quiet Saturday, sad right. Saturday again. And I think that's sort of why it matters that we spend a little bit of time dwelling on how hard hard that must have been sort of as a picture of our whole life, but that the hope we have when we see the fullness of the resurrection in totality. There's so many moments throughout scripture in our, in our own lives where we go, where's God, where are you? Where are you? You shared the story the other day of uh, reminding us, or it might've been earlier today of um, when the disciples were on the boat and the storm Mm -hmm. comes and Jesus is sleeping, where are Mm -hmm. you? This is the ultimate, where are you day? Right. Right. Saturday going, all right, on Friday, we saw you hanging on the cross. Like we, Mm. we, that was just all adrenaline. This, we don't, we're doing this. We're running away. We're coming. We're trying. Sunday is going to be all adrenaline, but Saturday is just all let down. It's just all, where are you God? And, and, you know, it really does speak to the many people out there who are going, where? I, yeah, I wonder that every day of my life. Where's God? Mm. And we can say, what's the old uh, what's the old uh, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the Easter thing. Well, Saturday's here like that kind of despair, mm. but Sunday's coming and we can look forward to that victory and yeah. know God's presence throughout. Right. That's it's right. A, you mentioned this yesterday. Um, no, earlier today. Uh, that the curtain tore on Friday, not on Sunday. Yeah. God's presence was available beginning Friday. That's right. And that includes Saturday. So yeah, we, that can includes be, we can that be grateful Saturday. for God's presence and know that Sunday's coming. 
Yeah. Let me read a devotional thought from Fleming Rutledge. She's an American theologian. Uh, She wrote something about Jesus's last moments on the cross. And she said this, somehow the crucified criminal on Jesus's right was enabled to see something that day back to Good Friday that no one else saw. He Mm. saw Jesus reigning as a king and determining the destinies of people, even in his tormented and dying state. To see him that way, Luke tells us, is to see him as he truly is and and to understand the source of his power, not by signs and wonders, not by magic and dazzlement, not by shock and awe, but only Mm. by the ultimate act of God's own self-sacrifice does Christ rule. His power is made known only through his death. And then Fleming Rutledge says, I ask you now, can you see yourself as one for whom Jesus died? Can you say with the second thief, Jesus, remember me when you come into Mm. your kingdom? It was not only for the bandits and quote, bad elements on the other side of the civilized divide, it was for us too. with our masks of innocence and our delusions about our own righteousness. His death was for us, too. And I think that's a good word for us to remember in the Holy Saturday seasons of our life mm-hmm. that his death was for us, too. And like Brian just said, Sunday is coming. We will be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.